This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. It's a really big week for, for you and me, I know. It's, it's Thanksgiving week, probably one of the most important weeks for us in the, uh, in the calendar year. What are, your, uh, what are your plans? Before we get to Chiefs Raiders, which is obviously, it's important, but we got, we got food on the way. So... In a normal year, we go to my in-laws for Thanksgiving. We're not going anywhere this year for Thanksgiving because one of my uh, sisters-in-laws is very pregnant, and the other one is a COVID nurse in Wisconsin. So, oh boy, <laughs> not a great fit. Um, so we your decided- family's really. I hate to interrupt you, but I just want to, like, you know, your, yeah. your your wife's your wife's in the medical field. You know, yeah. your family's really out there on the front lines of this, and it's absolutely terrible right now for our, our, our frontline medical workers. So hats, hats off to your family. Please give them my, my best, and I know the best of all of our listeners, for, for keeping people healthy out there and putting yeah. themselves at risk. No, thanks, and definitely will do. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the uh, slacker of the group here. I just I cover football. Right. Yes, yeah, right. my wife's a nurse. Her sister's a nurse. Her other sister's a teacher. Her mom is a teacher. Her dad's a retired school teacher. Uh, my best friend is a police officer. His wife is a nurse. So there's a lot, there's a lot of them. All of them are better yeah. people than I am. Right. Um, right. Yeah. You know, for sure. But yeah. thank, thank God. It's so far, everybody's been safe. Uh, everybody's been healthy. Um, but yeah, so normally for Thanksgiving, we would get together. We're not going to this year. We are going to all get together for Christmas. We're going to quarantine for like a week or so beforehand and then, and then have it. But for Thanksgiving, we're not, which it was funny in a weird way. You know, my wife and I both sat there after we, discussed it and everybody kind of said you know what maybe it's best if we skip it and we just kind of do it on zoom or whatever yeah and steph was you know there's i didn't want to say it because there was kind of this pause and she's like you know as much as it stinks not to see everybody like i don't like turkey so like i'm not all that upset that i'm missing turkey dinner what? and i was like i also don't like turkey and then like we kind of looked at each other like oh re- like really like so now we're just gonna have like lasagna and we're gonna have like apple pie. <laughs> like, tra- you guys don't like all the crap you want. dark meat. Uh, no, I'm out on turkey. I love ham. I don't like turkey. So I, I it's I not like my it. favorite oh, thing. But give me the drumstick, I, man. I feel like it's always dry. Like if it's not dry, I'm okay with it. But I always just feel yes. like it's too dry. So we looked at each other and we're like, oh, it's just great. Like we're just gonna have lasagna. We're gonna bake. Like, you know, it's so th- that's the route we're taking. Um, and then we'll be home till December 10th or 11th. And then we're going to New York to visit my family um, for 10 days. We'll quarantine before then. And then we'll go out. And so, um, yeah, the holidays should be different, but hopefully yeah. still good. Yeah. What are you guys doing? We're going to keep it chill as well. Uh, everybody's, uh, you know, Mag's family is here in Chicago. So we're going to be stay in we're going to cook here and we're going to actually make some food for the, the whole family's making food for each other and then we're going to drop it off at each other's places so we're going to 
you know, we're going to make some stuffing and, and some pie. And then my sister-in-law is going to make some food and we're just going to rotate it around to everybody's house. So we don't all have to cook huge, big Thanksgiving dinners and we can get to have everybody's dishes, but in a safe way. Uh, geez, when you hear about the, and I'm not, this isn't the COVID cast, but when you hear about some of the positivity rates right now, emergency rooms and ICUs getting overwhelmed, right? we just figured, you know, let's, Hey, let's just do our part, play it safe. And, uh, you know, give everybody some relief here, stay inside. So it's going to be different. Yeah. But you know, Hey, we'll get to sit down and watch some terrible football teams play. And, oh. uh, you know, that's that. I really, I mean, listen, anyone who knows me in person or really even at all, I'm a traditionalist. I am like, I love, I love the fact that the chiefs have never really changed their uniforms. I love that. I love that the Raiders have never changed their uniforms. Like, I love when I watch the Chiefs-Raiders game, it looks the same now as it did in 1965. I love that. You know what I don't love? The Lions playing on Thanksgiving. For the love of all that is holy, get them off the television. Make them it off stop. the television. Like, you know, like Dallas, or Dallas stinks this year, but I at least get it. Like, they've mostly been good, and they have a huge fan base. I understand them. Why are the Lions on Thanksgiving beyond the fact that they've just always been on Thanksgiving? They always stink. This year they're playing Houston. Like you couldn't find a worse game. And then, oh, by the way, it's Washington Dallas in the late. Now, the only only saving grace of Thanksgiving Day football this year, Raven Steelers on, on Thanksgiving night. That's yeah. gonna be awesome. The first two games, if the trip the fan doesn't get you, those will. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, listen, everybody, we've got a really special surprise for you this week's podcast. Uh, probably took too long to announce this, but we are going to be talking to Jeff Allen from the Kansas City Chiefs, former Kansas City Chiefs lineman Jeff Allen. He's on Twitter at, at JeffAllen71. You should follow him. He's great. He's going to join us. He's going to help us preview the Chiefs Raiders game that's coming up. So that is a very, very exciting part of our podcast today. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, once we're done talking about food, which I think we pretty much are, uh, we actually talk about food with Jeff too, which we'll just take any opportunity to do. Um, all right. And of course, make sure you give us those reviews over on Apple podcast. Uh, I think we should just dive in. Like, let's get into it. Obviously we'll set the stage for you. Uh, there's been a ton going on with chiefs Raiders coming up, supposed to be on Sunday night. Half the Raiders team is on the COVID list. We're going to talk about all that a little bit later. Uh, the game could get moved to Sunday afternoon, but right now it's still Sunday night. So just get to kind of keep your keep your antennas up on what's going on with the game here this weekend because yep. it's, it's a little bit of a mess as is this entire year. So uh, with that, we're gonna take we'll take a quick break. We're gonna turn things over to uh, Jeff. We're gonna chat with him, and then we'll hit some injury stuff and get our predictions on the other side. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. All right, Verderam, we, uh, we've got a very special guest on the podcast today. We have former Kansas City Chiefs lineman Jeff Allen. Jeff's going to talk to us a little bit about this uh, Raiders game we got coming up. Jeff, thank you yep. for joining us, man. How are you doing this, uh, this fine morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Matt and Patrick. Yeah, you got, a, you got a, quite the jersey collection on your back wall there. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got a lot of my um, close friends from the NFL, most offensive linemen. Those are all your swaps? years and Rodney Hudson and I got some of my old college roommates and teammates up on the wall nice nice you're you're, you're rivaling uh Verderam Verderam he doesn't have a lot of jerseys hanging up back there but he's he's got his walls decorated with sports it, stuff as well it, it, the difference is Jeff played in the NFL and like actually earned all those things yes. and I just went out and bought them so right. it's a lot different <laughs> uh, a lot different I'm surprised you got Whitney Merciless on there. I know you played in Houston. I'm sure he's a buddy of yours. But, geez, he, edge rusher, he's the enemy for you guys. Yeah, Whitney Merciless was actually my roommate in college. Really? So we oh, were nice. roommates for two That's years cool. at Illinois. Um, same with Corey Legit. We were roommates at Illinois. Man, we, we were loaded up there. I was going to say, you were pretty good <laughs> in Champaign those years. <laughs> we, we, we had a lot of good talent. We just weren't winning like we were supposed to. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, as, as Patrick mentioned, obviously – for the Chiefs and the Raiders, a big game on Sunday night. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I wanted to have you on. I mean, we followed you on Twitter, but I noticed throughout the early part of the week, you were very emphatic. You're like, man, this is going to be the ass-kicking that the Raiders have coming. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, what is, what is your thought process on how you think the game's going to play out as, as they, you know, head toward the weekend? Well, it's, it's always been a rivalry, but I, I think it's – 
in recent history, I think it's kind of like been watered down because the Raiders haven't been a very good football team. But, but now they're actually legit. Um, I think they have a good team. I think them actually coming to Kansas City and, and, and playing a really good football game and beating a good football team kind of woke the team up. Um, and them taking that victory lap around the stadium kind of, I know it pissed some guys off in the locker room. And I know they're not going to take anything lightly and they're going to come out with their A game. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun competitive game on both sides. Yeah, that's the 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 story about the Raiders taking the victory lap around Arrowhead has been a, a big story in the media, and we often hear about you know as as Matt and I just as 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 fans of media members, we often hear about you know the bulletin board material and oh you don't want to do that, the other team's going to find out about it. As as a former player, how much do things like that matter to the guys in the locker room, and do the coaches use it as motivation? Um, yeah, at times, I, I, it's a highly competitive business to start with. And if you add a little bit of fuel in there, especially great players, I, I know Pat is freaking chomping at the bit right now. Little stuff like that, they're already, always looking for something to kind of take them off, and, and, and something like that can do it. I, 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 think, I think the Raiders are doing a really good job of trying to fix the situation. <laughs> you got Gruden blaming the, the, the bus driver. You got all the players complimenting Kansas City as they should be. Um, but it's our the, the damage has been done. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be some fun going on, on Sunday night. You know, when I looked at what had gone on with, with the victory lap, and obviously like Patrick said and you've been talking about I me, mean, it's been a big storyline. But for me, just having been around uh the few NFL locker rooms in my time covering the league, you know, it's one thing to lose, right? Like teams lose all the time. That yeah. happens. You know, players yeah. accept the fact, even if you're a really good team, you're gonna lose four or five games a year. It's quite another to get disrespected. And yeah. I think, you know, at least I, the, my opinion going into the week is had the Raiders just won the game, sure, it's motivation. The Chiefs want to play better. They don't want to get swept by them. It's another thing when a team that really has not won anything and you're the Super Bowl champions and they're disrespecting you, they're disrespecting your building. I thought, you know, a lot of times I think bulletin board material is overhyped and overplayed. I, it's my opinion anyway. I think this one is going to stick in their craw all week long as they get ready for Vegas. No, I definitely agree. I think this was – this was, it wasn't good sportsmanship, and it was, it was disrespectful. I, I think you – like you said, losses happen. It's a part of the game. It's the National Football League. Everyone's getting paid. You can legit lose any Sunday. Um, but, you know, win with grace. And that's what the good teams do. The bad teams, they don't, they don't win with grace. So act like you've been there before. Yeah, that's you a big know, part of it, right? I mean, the Raiders have not been good for a while. They, they, they talked about how they wanted to beat the Chiefs, Verderam, and, 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 you know, good for them. They came out with a great game plan. They, they kind of snuck up on the Chiefs with some big plays that they weren't expecting, and, and they went out there and they, they put a, put a lick in on the Chiefs pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, the victory lap. Verderam, what was your take on Gruden's comments, right, when he talked about you blamed it on the bus driver? And <laughs> it just seems so weird, like, you know, like that the bus – what was he talking about? Look, man, I, I agree with what Jeff said earlier. That is like he is trying to tamp down this story as much as humanly possible before this game starts. Like if you're, like if you're the Raiders, it's going to be hard enough beating the Chiefs again and beating them when they're coming off a bye. Like the last thing Gruden wants or needs is the Chiefs being really pissed off as they get ready for the game. Like it doesn't help. And, you know, one of the things that I look at, and, and Jeff, you could speak to you. You played under Andy Reid, like yeah. you know, Andy in his in his press conference earlier in the week. Typically with Andy, he doesn't say anything in the press conference. It's very just, hey, we're going to play a good football team, getting ready for a good football team. In this press conference, he acknowledged the fact a few different times that that whole bus story and how it annoyed him. You know, Jeff, you you know Andy. Do you think that? It genuinely annoyed him, or do you think he's trying to get a message across to the players? And what do you think he's going to be like this week with the guys? It's both. I think he's he's annoyed, and it takes a lot for for Coach Reed to get ticked off. I mean, um, so he he's really he's really upset about that. I think um, I haven't personally talked to him, and he's also reiterating that to the team. And he doesn't have to. There's a lot of competitive guys in that locker room. I prom I promise you, those guys are going to be ready 
I fully expect them to come out on both sides of the ball and put on their best performances. Um, I mean, the last game, there were some plays here and there um, that we left out there on the offensive side of the ball. Um, defensively, there were some big plays that we gave up. I fully expect them to clean all of that up. So I think the, the Chiefs should score about 40 points. Defensively, hopefully they hold them to under 21. Well, you played – in a lot of games yourself as a chief player against the Raiders. And I'm curious, um, just as a broader view, what are, what are maybe some of you know, your favorite memory that you have playing against the Raiders, either, you know, a story that happened in a game or just a game that you look back on and say, you know, that was a, that was a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, are there any games that you remember specifically that you were part of that rivalry that you say, you know, that was either, a, like I said, just a funny story within the game or just a game in general that you, you really have a fond memory of? Definitely. We were playing back in Oakland. Um, I don't remember the season. I know it was the year where Jamal scored five touchdowns. And <laughs> three of those touchdowns were on the same play. It was a screenplay. Same exact play. And on his third touchdown, you know, the guy would come up to the line, the defensive line, and says, watch the screen. And I looked at him. I said, yep, you're right. It's a screen. <laughs> and I told him to play. I, I think he thought I was bluffing. Ran it. Scored a touchdown. I turned toward him. And back at the time, there was, a, um, there was something that went viral. It was a guy named Lil Terrio. He said, like, ooh, kill him. So I turned toward him and I, ooh, kill him. Jeff Schwartz looked at me and he just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it? remember that game. You guys hung more – I think you hung more than 50 on him in that game. If I remember yeah, that, that was – um, I mean, we, we scored the first play of the game. And – I was like, yeah, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a good game. First play, touchdown. Was was that the game that that, that Jamal scored a long touchdown like on a toss on fourth down? It was like fourth and short. I feel like yeah, I it was actually a, um, it was a it was a wheel route. Yeah, oh, okay. passed. Yeah, on the passed. backfield, it was like a sixty yeah. yard touchdown catch, and yeah. every Raider fan in the black hole threw beer on him. It's a great <laughs> photo. Look it up on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a few photos of Raiders uh, fans throwing beer on, on Chiefs fans. What was it like blocking for a guy like Jamal Charles? I mean, I obviously like, you know, every running back's different. Offensive line never gets enough credit for, for what yeah. they do. But a guy like Jamal Charles, who was so explosive but so shifty and could make things happen, did he make your job a little bit easier as a, as a blocker? Without a doubt. Playing with a guy like that, you only need to get in front of a guy. You don't even have to destroy him. Just give him a little bit of space, a little crease here and there. Um, shield a guy, maybe touch his shoestring, slow him down a bit, and they're not going to catch him. So that was definitely um, a luxury, playing with a guy like that could, that could take it to the house any given play. Um, you, don't, you don't have to worry about having 15 play drives. You know, Jamal could take it to the house on the first play of the game, and now you, <laughs> you have your stamina. Right. Just a – just uh, another question. I know you know we're we're a little low on time. I appreciate you, Jeff, for coming on. I wanted to ask you. Uh, you played the last two years with the Chiefs. Uh, you were you were part of the team that went to the AFC title game. Then last year, first team in fifty years to get to, and then of course win the Super Bowl. And I'm curious because I think anybody who's a, a Chiefs fan has to be curious. What is Patrick Mahomes like as a as a guy who you're in the huddle with, as a guy in the locker room? You know, we all see him. I remember I interviewed him down Super Bowl week last year yeah. in Miami. Always comes off as this really humble, down-to-earth guy. But I'm curious, like, what is he like when he's behind closed doors in the locker room or when he's in the huddle in the, in the heat of the moment? And what, what do you see? What Patrick Mahomes do you know? Well, he is a humble guy. That's him. Um, I mean, for a guy to have this much success this early in his career, um, usually that gets to guys, especially young guys. It gets to their head, and they, they may not work as hard – they may start feeling themselves, get big-headed, and then you see those slumps. Um, with him, he's such a humble dude. He knows there's always work to be done. Um, but on the flip side, he's super competitive. Like, anything anything that we're doing, it could be, you know, playing cards. It could be, you know, shooting hoops in the locker room. It's he's He wants to win. And I know it sounds cliche, but he's literally the most competitive person I've been around. Um, and he's he's really good at everything which is the weird thing. I'm like, not only is he competitive, everybody wants to win. We're all competitive. But to be competitive and be good at everything is, is scary. <laughs> what was it like for you? Um, you? You played four games with the team last year. 
Uh, and then obviously they win it all. What was it like for you to get that ring? First of all, gorgeous ring. Like, what, like some, of, some of those rings, look, they're all gaudy. They're all huge. But some of them, they're almost so overdone that they're just you don't even know quite where to look. I thought nah. this ring, and granted, probably a little biased, but thought it was was beautiful. Like, what what was it like for you when you got that ring? You looked at it, you see Allen on there, Super Bowl champion. Man, it was awesome. They really put some work into it. The detail is impeccable. I mean, the rubies, the diamonds, the the the, the diamond count, just the construction of it was amazing. Um, I, honestly, when I got it, I was like, man. You know what? I'm I'm thinking about dusting off the cleats. I want to get another one of these things. It's so beautiful, man. Sure. It's honestly a feeling that I didn't think I would would have that type of feeling. Like I thought it'd be cool to have the ring and everything. It's a great accomplishment, but the feeling that you get, it's you can't describe it. Um, and like I said, I honestly thought about like going back and training and, and trying to get another one. Are you done? You retired now? Did you ever I'm retired about- now, man? I made the decision last year. Um, when they released me, it wasn't a permanent thing. It was, hey, we're going to bring you right back. And at the time, it just was my my thought process was I was thinking about it. Then I was like, you know what? It's probably time for me to hang it up. You know, I had some things going on with my health and everything that I need to focus on. And I made the decision. Well, a good way to go out. Yeah, yeah right? Definitely, <laughs> definitely a good way. And, um, I mean, I'll always be a Chiefs fan, um, not only because it's a great city, um, and a great team, but just the organization, the people that I've dealt with there have the ultimate respect from, from, from um, top to bottom. It was just a great experience for me, and I, I was happy to be a part of all of it from the start to finish. He made quite an impact. And, and before we let you go, we, I, I got to ask you about something you're doing off the field. And, and frankly, it's, it's uh, Verderam and I's favorite topic is to talk about food. Um, and we are in Thanksgiving week. Now you and you and your wife, uh, you have a, a, a cookie business, right? It's called uh, yeah. Cookie Society. Yes, sir. Yeah, we started it um, three years ago. Started as an e-commerce business. We were just shipping to family and friends nationwide. Then strangers started to order and it's slowly drawn to this. Um, we have a retail store in, in Frisco, Texas. Um, we were just put on Oprah's favorite list of 2020, and we're getting a ton of recognition. Um, it's a testament to the work that my wife has put in, along with our other Cookie Society team members. And we, I mean, we're baking our hearts out right now. I mean, yes, <laughs> I was. I, I wasn't aware that you were doing this, and I was on the website this morning. And everything looks fantastic, Thank and you. I saw the the Oprah mention. That's awesome. And it looks like you're all sold out right now until the 25th. So when our listeners yeah. can order again, did, did Oprah just completely clean you out when she mentioned it? Yeah. Like our, <clears throat> our processing times are usually like two to three days with Oprah. It's gone out to five days. I mean, we've gotten thousands of thousands and thousands of orders. So we had to like kind of put a pause on the website so we can catch up and then we'll open it back up. But it's been, it's been amazing. The, the support we've received. Um, and, We've been, able to, we've been able to hire 10 more people, give more people jobs, wow. That's um, awesome. and it's, it's been great. Especially That's these great. days, we, we could all use something a little sweet. Now, does, does your wife, Marissa, does she do all the cooking, or do you get involved in that as well? I do. I help, I help out. I, not as much as I used to. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, I was in there scooping, mixing, baking, <laughs> doing all of it. Um, you know, it was for me, it was a part of the decision I made with retiring. I was like, okay, it's time for me to focus on my family, um, support my wife. They were back in Dallas while I was in Kansas City, so that was tough, the distance and everything. So that, that kind of played in the role, the decision in me retiring, um, being back home with my family and, and supporting my wife with this business that I knew was going to be a great business and help her grow this thing. And now it's just, it's just taking off. And, and um, yeah, football was easy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's a great business. Uh, they're great cookies. I'll tell you, I give you guys credit, man. Like, my wife loves to bake. I, obviously, not in business doing that. She's in the medical field. But I, she loves to bake, bakes all the time in the house. Yeah. I, I can never bake a full sheet of cookies because I just love eating the cookie dough. Yeah. So as she's making <laughs> yeah. it, I just keep eating it. And we, yeah, we're, they're supposed to make 24. We end up making like 16. So <laughs> I would be atrocious in that business because I would just eat all the product. But um, you guys are doing a great job. That's Thank great. You know, you got the recognition you deserve from Oprah. And then real quick, man, uh, as we let you go here, what just to wrap up on football, what is your prediction for Sunday night? What do you think, Chiefs Raiders? I, I think the Chiefs – I'm going to say Chiefs 
let me say, I'm going to say 35. I hope they score 40. I'm going to say 35-21. Okay. Okay. Well, they win 35-21. Oh, bonus prediction. You know, I read this from Sam Mellinger in the Star. I want to give him credit on this. It's, I thought it was great. His prediction was that at some point, if they're winning this game significantly, somebody's going to do a celebration in the end zone like they're driving a bus. Uh, (laughs) Yes. If you know these guys, if there's anybody who does it, who's more likely, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey? Oh, probably (laughs) Tyreek. Probably Tyreek. Travis might do it. Um, Someone's going to do it. I can bet you that. I'm pretty sure someone's going to do it. Um, but more than likely, I would say Tyreek. Okay. I want right. Pat to do it, but Pat won't do it. I, want Pat, I don't know if Pat will do it. I don't think he'll do it, man. He gets <laughs> I don't petty. think Pat will do he it, but some, petty, someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it, and they might all do it. I mean, they might do it after every play. Who knows? Oh, that would be great is if they do a group celebration where a bunch of group guys celebration, like everyone get on the bus. Yeah, I, yeah get on the that. bus. <laughs> oh, that would be incredible. Um well, well, listen, everybody, you need to make sure you check out Cookie Society, cookiesociety.com. Uh, you can follow Cookie Society on Twitter at Cookie Society. And obviously, you got to follow Jeff. He's, if you're a Chiefs fan, one of the best followers in the Chiefs kingdom. Uh, all kinds of great just insights and analysis during the game. So you got to do that. He's at, at Jeff Allen 71 on Twitter and I believe on Instagram as well. Jeff, yep. thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. We really appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. That was, uh, boy, that was really fun talking to Jeff. Uh, I'm really excited about his cookie business. I didn't know that it existed. I got to get my hands on some. They're going to be, I think, November 25th. They're going to be back in production. They've got some flavors on their Vertoram. I Salted caramel, always digging yep. that. Cookies and cream. I'm big cookies and cream guy. Of course, chocolate chip. One of their ones they have listed on the website, banana pudding. Are you a banana pudding guy? I'm not, but my wife is. So when we order... Um she, she's going to request banana pudding. I will eat the salt and caramel and the chocolate chip all day long. Yeah. Uh, I guess they have over 70 flavors, which is I'm just going to have to get to work, I guess, right? And, and, and work yeah. my way through those. Um, and we will, uh, we're going to give some of those cookies away to you guys. As soon as they're back on uh, production, just you know, keep, give the podcast a listen. We'll have some kind of contest or stuff. We'll send some, some sweet treats your way. Maybe get them uh, to you for, for Christmas if you celebrate. And uh, God, this is just the season where like, I got to just do double time on the cardio because I can't help yeah. it. Right? Yep. My mom bakes cookies and she sends them you know, in a box from Ohio to Chicago. And it's just like, she, now... Are you a Buckeye fan? Have you had Buckeye? The oh Buckeye my cookie? God, Patrick! Yes, my God, right. those things—that's my—that's—that's that's talking my language. I—I yeah. yeah. I never even heard of what they were until, which, by the way, for me, some people don't even know—they're just a, basically balls of peanut butter that are like dipped in chocolate. Dipped okay? in chocolate, yeah. And so, if you love Reese's, like you got you got to go for these. And I had never even heard of them. And I had a girlfriend in high school. Who actually, wasn't my girlfriend at the time; she was a friend of mine who brought them to a party of a mutual friend and I started eating them and I must have ate 12 of them. And it literally was my impetus to make her my girlfriend. I was like, I, I need to date you. <laughs> and so we did. We dated for quite a while actually after that. And then after we broke up, the thing I was most upset about was the loss of the Buckeyes. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I started getting on like family members. Like, hey, <laughs> somebody's got to learn to make these things. And, and God bless her. My mother was like, you know what? I'll, I'll make them every year for Christmas. And now they're a staple. My mother makes like a hundred of them every year for Christmas and we load up. Oh, they're incredible. They're actually kind of tricky to make because, oh, look, I'm from Ohio. Cookies, especially in Northeast Ohio, there's a, a tradition of, of Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania. It's like cookie tables at graduation parties and weddings. Like, oh, oh, this isn't, I didn't know that this wasn't a thing growing up that everybody did. But like you go to a wedding in Northeast Ohio and the, yeah, there's a cake, but there'll be a table with like, you know, 50 different kinds of cookies on it. And it's a, it's a regional thing. Um, to that area. And so, of course, Buckeyes and, and many other cookies were a part of, of my childhood growing up. But I've watched my mom make them and I've done them myself as well. And they're tricky because the peanut butter balls, you have to dip them, you have to melt chocolate in a pan, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got to dip the peanut butter balls in there. So like what you have to do is freeze, you make the peanut butter balls and put them in the freezer for a couple of hours with toothpicks in them so that you can dip them in the chocolate because you need to leave a little bit of the peanut to make it look like a Buckeye nut. You, you need to leave a little bit of peanut butter on the top 
and not dip it all the way in the chocolate, right? So right. it's tough though, because that peanut butter, like it, it melts really quickly. Like it, it gets soft really quickly. So you can lose them in there. So you got to like move quickly when you take them out and dip so and then you set them on a, God, they're so good. I remember I brought some into the office once because people didn't know what they were. Like in, in Illinois, they had never heard of them. And I brought them, my mom's homemade Buckeyes in and uh, changed some lives. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing. But also amazing, Jeff's Cookie Society business. We'll, we'll yes. talk Chiefs here. But seriously, yeah. check them out. Follow them on Twitter. Follow Jeff on Twitter, I, as, as you mentioned there at the end of the interview. Um, the cookies are, are spellbinding. I had them once before, and they're amazing. So get them. Check them out. And you know what else? Check out the game on Sunday night that the Chiefs have. Against the Raiders in Vegas, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to put it this way. I'm looking very forward to that game. Yeah, do you, actually, you know, I forgot to look it up. I usually do. Do you know what the line is off the top of your head? Chiefs are favored by seven. Seven, yeah. It's, it, well, let's get into the injuries and the COVID disaster that is this game. The, it's just been an absolute mess. The, the Raiders have been a mess all year with, with the COVID stuff. They've already had... Um, as a team and individual players, they've been fined close to $1.2 million and docked a sixth round draft pick for breaking COVID protocols because Gruden can't keep his mask on on the sidelines. And, and now they're paying for it. Uh, the, so linebacker Corey Littleton, he tests positive for, for, for COVID, has been out. Trent Brown's been out. Uh, Cleveland Farrell yep. tests positive. Now, uh, the whole, according to Ian Rappaport, almost the entire, from NFL Network, almost the entire Raiders defense is on the COVID list this week. Now, it's not a total disaster for them other than they can't practice, but they can play as long as they, can, most of them, as long as they continue to not test positive. Right. Gee, the whole defense, that's, that's not just good. About. I don't care which way you want to slice it. Yeah, just about. And most NFL players will tell you, you know, the, the practice, it does matter. And I, I know that sounds odd. Like you'd say, well, of course it matters. But these guys, they're pros. These practices during the season, it's not like they're cracking pads in most cases. They're not even allowed to for the CBA. So um, a lot of them are glorified walkthroughs. But players will tell you as far as install and everything else that it matters. Right. The Raiders are without a lot of guys. I mean, more than half their starting defense is not going to be on the field all week. Not for one practice, the whole week of practices. So – yeah, it's, it's a problem if you're the Raiders. I mean, it's already a problem to face Kansas City a second time here. You've got to deal with them off and buy everything else. Not exactly ideal that you can't practice. Uh, the Chiefs are missing a few guys of their own. Hardman's on the COVID-19 list. Both starting tackles are as well. Uh, not that they've tested positive, just it's a close contact. So um, right. we'll see how that shakes. But, uh, yeah, the Raiders are decimated. Could, and especially, as you said, for the install, anything new that Gruden wants to do, his game script early in the game right. or in the second half, that could be a situation, right, where especially on you know, defense and, and, and offense, like the linemen, where you see like false start penalties and, and jumping off sides because they just didn't get the mental reps on the new stuff or the counts, right, or just that split second where you just – that muscle memory is not there, so you just don't quite get your block. It could be a big problem for them. It could have it hurt the Chiefs as well. It could. It could. And look, this is a year where everybody's just going to have to deal with it a little bit. I mean, that's just the reality of it, right? Like some, some teams have been incredibly lucky. Some teams haven't. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, the Raiders have, have put themselves in some tough spots with these protocols. They can't stop breaking. Um, but, hey, I mean, look, this is going to be a big game for both teams. The Raiders win this game. And all of a sudden, they're one game out, and they own the tiebreaker, and they have a very easy schedule the rest of the way. Kansas City wins, this division's over. It's the end. Right. There's, there's no path that's, that's viable for the Raiders to come back and win the, the division. The Broncos and Chargers are long gone. Um, so this is an opportunity. I mean, if you're Kansas City, you finish the division right here. You basically ensure yourselves a top-two seed by winning this game. Yeah, the Raiders are six and three, and a lot of these, you know, seems like they would be a playoff team in most years. But there's a logjam of mediocre, you know, to good teams like the Raiders and the Browns and the Titans, and even the, the Ravens. I think are falling into this category now of no, not maybe they're in that second tier of teams. Right. Even with the extra, if you look at the if you look at the standings, even with the extra playoff spot, there's going to be a team maybe with a, a pretty decent record that's not going to make the playoffs. You know, it's funny, at the beginning of the year when they unveiled this new playoff format, 
everybody was complaining about the fact you were going to have some team that went seven and nine and made the playoffs. You're going to have a team in the AFC that wins ten games that doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great conference. It really is. I mean, there's there's so much depth. There's no Philadelphia Eagles in the AFC. Yeah, like you're going to have Tennessee right now started five and zero. They're still six and three. They're the nine seed right now in the AFC. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean that it's it's just the Raiders look, and that's the thing, right? If the Raiders win this game, the Chiefs are still leading the division. But all of a sudden now, they have a real hope of winning the division. They lose this game. There's a very good shot. They're not even in the playoff picture. It's right. just it's it's the nature of the AFC right now. It is an enormous game, and I'm guessing considering what happened week five, as we talked about with Jeff. I do not think the Chiefs are going to have a problem focusing in this game. Off a of bye, they're getting Sammy Watkins back, probably getting Okafor and Snead back. Uh, look, this is this is going to be a game. I expect to see an extremely motivated Chiefs team, extremely focused. Uh, and it doesn't hurt. Hey, it's on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs always play well in these spots. So I, I think it's a very, very good spot for the Chiefs. Tough one for the Raiders. Other injuries just to keep an eye on. Did not practice for the Chiefs. Bo Pete Keys has an illness. Taco Charlton has been dealing with an ankle. Limited were Mike Remmers, who is, is going to be important should people have to sit out on the offensive line. He's got a rib. He should probably be fine. Same with Rashad Fenton, who has an ankle injury. Uh, for the Raiders, Jalen Richard is out with the chest. Kind of a big one for them, uh, for one of the under-the-radar players because he's a fullback. But Alex Ingold has two cracked ribs. Now, he's been playing, um, and he was limited. He played last yeah. week but with two cracked ribs, a tough SOB. Um, but, he, yeah. you know, he he – He's a big deal for, uh, for, for their running back, Jacobs. Um, and him being a little bit banged up, I mean, of all the positions, right, to have busted ribs, fullback especially, your job is literally to run into people as hard as you can. Uh, I, I, I gotta, you got to admire the toughness there. Um, uh, yeah, you, and he's a good player. He's a good player. He's, he's proven to be a pretty good fullback for them. So, um, yeah, probably going to wear the old flak jacket. By the way, uh, underrated story about the history of the flak jacket, not to get off topic, but if anyone doesn't know this, I just thought it was funny. So in 19, I think it was 1978, Dan Pastorini was a pretty good quarterback for the Houston Oilers. They were in the playoff mix, and he broke a couple of ribs. He was in the hospital. And these two guys walked into it. This is night, just picture this happening now, okay? Two guys walked into his hospital room. They didn't know with a baseball bat. And they're like, hey, Dan Pastorini? He's like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> like, like, listen, we heard you got broken ribs. Check this out. One guy pulls out a bat. The other guy pulls out what is now known as a flak jacket. They were the inventors of it. Guy puts on a flak jacket, and the other guy starts wailing on him with a baseball bat in the hospital room. Oh. And the guy's like, look, I don't, it, it doesn't hurt. I'm fine. And Dan Pastorini was like, <laughs> give me that. I'm going to play with it. And did. And that's how the flak jacket started. That is I've never heard that. Where did you hear that story? That's incredible. I don't. I don't remember. I know it's. I know it's legit though. I heard all like on an NFL films thing or something. But it was yeah. Like that's a real. Like literally, some dude just walked in with a baseball bat and just started wailing on another guy. And <laughs> Pastorini was like, "Well, if it can withstand that, I'm good." And war and played you know, with it. I've seen a lot of movies, and when you're in the hospital and you got a last name like Pastorini, and two guys walk in with a baseball bat. And ask you if you're you. That's usually yeah, not a good not. sign. It doesn't end well usually. I would have been like, "Yeah, it's a guy. He's a guy down the hall." Yeah, right. <laughs> go, go I mean, that's. I don't know if I would have said yes. I, I think I might have been, I, you know, hitting that call button from the nurses' station pretty aggressively, <laughs> trying to stall for time. That's an yeah. absolutely incredible story. I mean, they wouldn't even let you walk into a hospital with a baseball bat right now. They'd be like, "What the hell are you doing?" And not even, like, no clearance whatsoever. Just rolls in and just walks right, like, oh, where's Dan's room? Oh, 498, okay. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Was, oh, you, you know, know. Yeah. times I mean, were different. Uh, you could smoke on planes, you know. I, I love those. There's a, there's a meme going around, you know, back in, you know, like, the 80s and stuff, and, like, everybody smoked. And it was, it's a picture of a kid. He's blowing out his birthday candles. And there's like a, like an ashtray and everyone around him smoking. There's like cans of beer everywhere. And it says like kids, kids that grew up in the eighties and early nineties. This is how you spent every birthday. That was it for me, man. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> we're a lot less health conscious back then. 
Yeah, um, a little bit, I, man. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I remember when you went to restaurants, it's smoking or non-smoking. Yeah, like right? it mattered. Like, yeah. I was going to say the whole damn place was smoking. <laughs> right. Let's be real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. There's a, there's a place in Chicago. I, I forget what it's called. Um, it's this bar and we, Mag and I went there cause I like to enjoy an occasional cigars. I know you do as well. Um, yeah. and, and our, our coworker, Mark Carmen, uh, who's on stacking the box with you, uh, podcast, check it out, told us that, uh, told me about this place. He's like, yeah, they just let people smoke in there. They don't care. They just pay the fines or whatever they paid off the cops. And so, uh, and I like old school Italian restaurants, my, my favorite types of food. Um, and so there's a place right next door. I can't remember what it's called or I'd plug them. Uh, and, and Carm suggested that too. He's like, yeah, there's this great Italian place there. And then you can go over to the bar and have a, a cigar. And this was, this was for my birthday a couple of years ago. And we go in the, in the Italian place for dinner and we're sitting in there and like, you can smell the it's smoke. It smelled, it smelled like somebody was having a cigarette in the Italian restaurant next door. And the couple <laughs> sat down behind us, you know, and I heard the woman ask, is there somebody smoking in here? And the guy was like, it's this bar next door. We can't do anything about it. It comes through the walls. We go over to the, we go over to the bar and I sit down at the bar. And I mean, I'd never been in a place like this because this is the kind of bar nowadays, right? Like you don't go, people go there to smoke and drink. Like that's its purpose for existing. Fantastic. You know, we, sit, we, we sit down at the bar places. I'd never been in a place like this where everybody's smoking, you know, I saw one guy sitting at a table in the corner. He had like four cigars in his shirt pocket. He was in for a long night. I was going to say, man, I was there I sit, for the duration. Yeah. I sit down at the bar and I, I light up my cigar. Bartender looks at me and goes, you smoking a cigar over here? You trying to kill me? Because <laughs> I get, you know, the perception that the cigar smoke is, 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 is worse than the cigarettes. But I'm looking at you like, I'm like, man, you're working. <laughs> you're working in a smoke shack. Like, what are you worried about my cigar for? It's absolutely incredible. Uh, but back back to the game. All right, in this game, what are you looking out for, right? Like, last game, it was a shootout. Chiefs got caught by surprise. They gave up some big plays. Could, right. could you see this? What's the approach that you think that, that Spagnuolo is going to take on defense against the Raiders this time that he, to do differently? I think he's going to bring pressure in this game. They did not blitz very much at all against the Raiders last time. And the Raiders have a good line. And Trent Brown's not playing this game. That hurts. Colton Miller, it looks like he might play for them. Their other tackle. He's been out for a while. Um, I think Spagnuolo, excuse me, I think Spagnuolo is going to blitz a lot. They, they might be getting Legere Sneed back here this weekend. Fenton's played well. Breland's played well. I could see the Chiefs playing single coverage, playing a safety deep, and just saying, look, we're going to make him throw the ball. We're going to make him get rid of it really quickly. Um, Derek Carr is having a very good year, but he does not like to be hit. Um, he like, you know, if he's under pressure, he's a different quarterback. I think the Chiefs are going to go after him. And I, I think if you're Spagnolo, that has to be number one. You have to get pressure. Look, if they run the ball for a little bit, fine. I don't think they necessarily care. You, you can't allow the, They didn't lose the game last time because of the way the Raiders ran the ball. They lost the game because he gave up huge plays. And if you, can, if you can get some pressure and keep the safety over the top, and not below the coverage, you mitigate that. So I, I think I think that's what the Chiefs – they're going to try to get the ball out of Carr's hands quickly and then rally and tackle. That's just obviously my opinion, but I, that's what I expect. Yeah, and I think it helps if they can make Carr matriculate the ball down the field a little bit, right? Like Jacobs can, can run the ball. Waller's a great tight end. But beyond that, their receivers aren't scary other than that they've got some speed and obviously got behind the Chiefs. Last time, I think as long as the Chiefs don't let that happen, the Raiders could make some mistakes, slow things down a little bit, just don't give up those big plays. And then, of course, on offense, the Chiefs really didn't have too much trouble moving the football against the Raiders. They were just in a bad position a lot of the game. No, they scored 32 points. That's the thing I think sometimes people forget. The Chiefs scored 32 points and had two other touchdowns taken off the board by penalty. Now, they ended up getting a field goal on one of those, so they lost a total of 11 points. Like if the Chiefs and the, and both penalties, by the way, had zero to do with this touchdown. Like if Kansas City had just not done that, it would, it would have scored forty three points, would have won the game. I, I look at this and say the Chiefs are going to move the ball offensively. I the biggest concern, and I actually rewatched the game last night to get ready for this podcast. The biggest concern I think the Chiefs have to have offensively is the Raiders do not have a good pass rush. Max Crosby's been excellent; he has six and a half sacks. The rest of the team, nobody else has two. Like you. You cannot let them get pressure on Mahomes the way they did the first time around. You just can't. There's no excuse. And now with Fisher being on the COVID list, Schwartz is still dealing with the back injury in the COVID list. Let's say Schwartz doesn't play. 
Remmers can, Fisher can. You got, you've got a good enough offensive line here to handle this. I mean, this is not crazy. Farrell's not going to play for the Raiders. He tested positive. We don't know if anybody else won't be able to play for them. They won't practice, as we talked about. Look, I think if you are the Chiefs in this game, number one offensively, it, to me, this whole thing's about pressure. Number one on offense, you can't let Mahomes get pressured. If you don't, he's going to kill him. They can't guard the Chiefs. And they couldn't last time either, for the record. Every time he had time to throw the ball, he'd kill them. Secondly, you need to get pressure. The Chiefs can do those two things. They're going to win going away. If they can't do those two things, then it's a toss-up again. And the Chiefs need look. They need to win this game. They're eight and one, but they need to keep pace with the Pittsburgh Steelers to try to get that number one seed. And let's yep. face it, the Steelers are playing the Jaguars this week, who have one win. So the Chiefs need to keep pace, and they got a couple tough games coming up. So you can't lose this one. Um, all right, let's let's get in. Any other? points from the game that we haven't covered yet that you that you want to point out before we get to our uh, our predictions here in a minute? No, I think – look, I, I just think uh, – I think you're going to have extreme motivation on the part of the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs, a lot of games this year, save for maybe Baltimore, Buffalo, and, and the opener, they've been bored. They're not – they shouldn't be. They're professionals, but they're human. And there's a tendency to just say, well, we're better than this team. We're going to win this game. Like, it's just we're, we're the world champions. That team won five yeah. games or whatever last year. Right. I think at times with the Chiefs, while they've played very well all year long, there has been – they've gone through pockets of that where they just look like, eh, whatever. We'll win by 10. It's fine. We know we can do it. When they have been motivated this year, and I'd argue that Ravens game was the most motivated they've been because they were an underdog in that game. They have destroyed teams. I mean, they, they destroyed yeah. Houston. They beat the piss out of Baltimore. They beat Buffalo up and down the field. I mean, that's a team that, save for a Hail Mary, has one other loss all year long. Like, the Ravens are a really good team. And she's destroyed them on the road. I look at this game and I say, this is going to be the most motivated the Chiefs have been all year long. If they don't make mistakes and they keep Mahomes upright, I do not think this game will be close. I don't. And so for my prediction for the score, I think the Chiefs are going to win 44 to 20. I do not think it'll be close. I think the Chiefs are going to get up on them early. And I think there's going to be a little bit of payback in this game. I'll tell you right now, if Kansas City can rub it in, they're going to do it. I hope they do. I hope I'm wrong about my prediction for the game. I've got it Chiefs 30, Raiders 27. I do I, now, that could be a situation where the Chiefs get up big early and the Raiders climb back into it. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a nail-biter, but I do think, look, the Raiders are a good football team. They're better than I thought they were back when these two teams played the first time, and they have weapons on offense, and they can move the football with Jacobs, with Waller. Carr's playing all right. And I, the Chiefs have struggled against teams that do that on defense. They struggled a little bit against Carolina. Obviously, not the same thing as, as going up against Christian McCaffrey, but I, I, even the Chiefs said that the, the, the Panthers reminded them of the Raiders. So I, what I'd like to see from the Chiefs defense, who's been very good this year in limiting points from teams, right? I think they're in the top 10 in points allowed, maybe sixth. I was looking last night. Yep. They, they've done a nice job. So, you know, I think it comes down to, what what changes? I mean, we all expect changes from Andy on offense, some, some things that he's been wanting to do, maybe the more implementing of Le'Veon Bell, who we haven't seen a ton of yet. I'm sure they've probably worked in more packages and screens and things for him now that they've had time. What changes are they going to make on defense? That should be really interesting to see based on the struggles that they've had this year. That uh, I'm fascinated to really see the defensive side of the ball. This could be a game where they come out and they do some things that are different on defense as well, and the Raiders are just flummoxed, and it's a blowout. Yeah, uh, look, I, I just, I just really believe, really, even like taking any bias out of it, I, I just, in all my years watching football, when you get a really, really good team that is extremely motivated it usually doesn't end well for the other side. And it's weird because as Chief fans, like we all have grown up with the fact that usually they're not that team. They're that team now. They're the team that you don't want to screw with. And I could just see this being the kind of game where they're getting a car, Spagnuolo's bringing everybody, 
They're manning up. They're playing press. They're, they're, they're not letting them off the line. And I just think every time Mahomes has had any extra motivation, he has gone out of his mind in these games. I just look, I, and, and Jeff talked about it, how he's the most competitive guy he's ever met. Like, I, I don't think the Raiders are going to stop them. Like, I really don't think Townsend's going to punt the ball once in this game. I really don't, unless wow. they're just running the clock out late. I, that's my bold prediction. I don't think, unless it's just a run out the clock and punt type thing, I don't think he punts once this entire game. Let's, let's hope so, man. Speaking of the defense, before we get out of here, one big, I don't know if it's big, it's certainly noteworthy signing that the Chiefs had this week is they, they signed former New York Giants yep. first-round pick DeAndre Parker to their practice squad. Baker. B- Baker, I'm sorry. Um, and what – so this was a weird situation, right? He, he, he got accused of robbing somebody, and then everything got dropped. The, the, the integrity of the people that were accusing him was called into question, and now he's, he's back. He's free to sign. He could still be subject to discipline from the NFL who are investigating the situation. Matt, have you heard anything from, from league sources on what was going on there? I, I haven't. I know that, um, look, he was drafted in the first round last year by the Giants. He did not play well. He played better as the year went on, but he was not good. Um, then. He gets in trouble with Quentin Dunbar now, the Seahawks. Uh, you know, there were allegations of essentially a robbery that, that, that got a little out of hand. Uh, you know, I mean, most robberies out of hand, but I guess this one took a particularly uh, wild turn. Uh, Dunbar really was never seriously implicated. That, that kind of went by the board somewhat quickly. Um, Baker, it was, it was more serious. And so they, there was more time to investigate. You mentioned the charges got dropped. I'm not here to play a legal analyst and tell you what you know went on and what transpired and what should it, I I don't know. What I do know is this: the Chiefs signed the guy to a practice squad who last year was a first-round pick out of the SEC, played at Georgia. He was very good at Georgia. In fact, when he's coming out of college from a talent standpoint, I thought he'd be a great fit for Kansas City. So I'm not surprised at all. Look, this is a Brett Veach move all day, every day. The Chiefs right. love to take chances on guys who are first-round talents, top 50-type talents, and see what they can do. They, they brought in Darren Lee, who didn't work out. They brought in Cam Irving, who, for what they invested in him, I think did work out. They, they got a pretty good bang for their buck. Cam Irving was not a great starter, but he was a solid player for them for a while. They brought in Reggie Ragland, who a lot of people thought was a first-round value, fell to the second round. He ended up being a good player for them. He was a run plugger, good blitzer. These are the types of guys that Brett Veach loves to identify. And Baker... In this case, this is not a guy who played out his whole rookie contract and didn't play well. I mean, DeAndre Baker right. played one year. And I think a big reason that, that he was moved on from, by the way, he's 23 years old. I think a big reason that he was moved on from by the Giants was, yes, the legal ramifications, but also new coaching staff. You know, staff didn't have ties to him. They weren't invested in him. They moved on. So if you're the Chiefs, there's no risk here. If it doesn't work out, fine. You cut him. I mean, he signed for the minimum. They don't care. And if, and if he comes in and, and you can get the best out of him, then great. I'll tell you what, real quickly, if I were the Chiefs, I would sit down with Tyron Matthew and say, look, we want you to bring this kid under your wing, mentor him. You know, Tyron Matthew, now, different, different kinds of things, but he had some problems in college and coming out of college with legal That's issues. Right. And it wasn't robbery, but he had, he had some issues with substances and whatnot. And now I don't think you could find a guy who's, who's a, a bigger leader and a winner and seems to be doing great off the field. I'd try to have Matthew, who plays in that same room, that DB room, I'd try to impart some wisdom on the kid, see what you can get out of him. But it's, it's a, it's a low-risk flyer with potential high rewards. So I, I understand why the Chiefs did it. Yeah, he's 5'11", ran a 4 at the NFL Combine. And as you said, we don't really know, like, and he's on the Giants. I mean, the Giants have not been a good football team. So going right. through a transition, who knows? And the Chiefs have been quite good at developing corners, guys that you've never heard of, and finding really value and fitting them into their system. Guys like Rashad Fenton, who come out and is playing like one of the best players on the team. They bring in a rookie in Sneed. He plays really well. So, it's you know, Ward. Ward yeah, like I mean, these are not. This isn't like this isn't a lineup of you know highly picked cornerbacks. 
So right. if the Chiefs are able to find value, and this can be, as we all know, it can be an expensive position to pay, uh, and the Chiefs don't have money for that. They're paying other guys. So yep. to find value here is really important to this team. Guys have their contracts coming up. I think, is Fenton the only one? Breland's done this year. Ward, Ward, and Ward. And Bre- Ward is one more year after this. Um, okay. Breland, is, Breland is up, yes. And Sorensen, who's a safety, but sometimes plays man-on-man, is also up. So if they can get him on their practice squad, give him a look, coach him up. Is he a guy you think we see make an impact this year? On the I mean, roster? their hope is that they get him up to speed on the practice squad and then bring him up. I mean, I think he'll be on the active roster if he shows any potential. But look, I, he's going to have a hard time getting on the field right now. Let's be real. I mean, as long as they're healthy, Breland's our number one corner. Sneed looked fantastic in, in, in his first couple of games where he got hurt. Fenton's not going anywhere. So – Ward has struggled a little bit partially because of that broken hand. But I, I just I think it's going to be hard. Baker would have to just be unbelievable out of the gates. I, I think this is more a signing with an eye toward the future. But uh, I think he'll be on the active roster at some point. And if they like what they see, hey, listen, the Chiefs have been the Chiefs have shown one thing. They don't care where you're drafted, where you come from. They will give you a shot. If they think you can play, right. they will play you. I mean, just look around that team. There's there are I mean, Mike Pinnell came in. Who the hell thought Mike Pinnell was going to do anything? They signed him off the, the street. He was nobody. Mike Pinnell became a huge part of their run down the stretch. So did Stefan Wisniewski. So, yeah, I think, look, if, if he shows something, they'll give him a shot. Right now, though, I would say I'd keep expectations at a minimum. Do you think he sees the roster? Do you think if they like what they're seeing? I mean, the last thing you want, right, is for word to be getting out of the, the practice squad that this guy looks fantastic and some other team comes along and tries to poach him away. Do you, right. do you feel like they may move him and just, if they like what they see to stash him or they just roll the dice and hope nobody else takes him away? No, I think if they like what they see, I think they'll put him on the active roster. Yeah. Um, and I think, I'll tell you right now, I think they're going to make him earn it. I think they're going to put him on special teams. They're going to they're gonna make, you know, because one of the things that there was a question with Baker in New York was how much does he really care? Well, they're going to find out. Because mm. yeah. I guarantee like that's, that's one thing about the NFL, right? You're a first round pick somewhere, you're going to get every benefit of the doubt because they don't want to look bad. He wasn't a first-round pick for the Chiefs. They don't care. They're not yeah. going to look bad if they stick him on a return coverage team and say, hey, DeAndre, get down there and, and, and be, a, be a gunner and make a play. Right? They're not going to care what the perception is. So that's the advantage the Chiefs have here. But, yeah, I think, look, if he shows well, I think he'll be on the active roster, and then they'll bring him along slowly and kind of see what they've got in the kid. All right. Well, it is Raider week. It's almost Raider weekend, and we're going to get out of here. We're going to let you get on with the rest of your week, get your fantasy lineup set, all that good stuff. And we will be back on Sunday night or potentially Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon, depending on when this dang game gets played. Uh, I'm hoping not for Sunday night. Nothing like that on Sunday night football. Great announce crew, all that. So let's hope so. Uh, But if you like what you heard here, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Addict podcast on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, everywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, before we go, one last note, I just want to, we mentioned this, we put out a special podcast, but Andy Reid and Brett Veach did officially sign contracts this yep. past week. So there was news about this over the summer that they were working towards that and everybody basically acted like it was done. The ink is now dry. So those guys are locked up for the Chiefs, which is good news for the future, I think until 2025. So the winning continues. To the Chiefs, there's no reason not to lock those two up. Yeah, right. Uh, please give us those reviews over on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we will answer your questions if you leave us a question at the end of your written review. We'll do it right here on the podcast. All right, thanks again to Jeff Allen for taking some time out of his day to talk Chiefs Raiders with us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. Please follow at Matt Connor AA, the lead expert over at Arrowhead Addict. And of course, follow at Arrowhead Addict, and make sure you follow at Jeff Allen 71 He is a fantastic follow if you're a Chiefs fan. Okay, uh, we will see y'all on Sunday night, and as always, go Chiefs! Go Chiefs! Uh, and let's get a win against the oh oh they're goddamn I keep wanting to call them the Oakland Raiders not the Oakland Raiders anymore the damn I'm never gonna get this Las Vegas thing right ever. Them being in Las Vegas is bullshit. They're the <laughs> Oakland Raiders. They're always gonna be the Oakland Raiders. I don't care if they're playing in Nevada. Should we just keep calling them Oakland Raiders just to yes. piss off people?
but yeah. let's do it. So, so, so it's the San Diego Chargers, the Oakland Raiders. That's the way it's going. Get, get out of here with this crap. We don't want to hear it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Stay big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Save big.